covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. I'm your host for the next hour or so as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball, looking back at the week that was, looking forward to the week that will be, and really looking forward to the entire month of September as we have hit the final month of the regular season and the Brewers still have a ton to play for. It is going to be a fun month. We've got a lot to get to. We'll get to that in uh, just a moment. First and foremost, let's do our housekeeping items that we always do at the top of the program. If you do listen to us via Apple Podcast or iTunes and you want to leave a ranking or review, that would be much appreciated. If you listen uh, some other way, there's multiple ways to listen, WTMJ.com, the WTMJ mobile app, Stitcher. I don't know. I I never use Stitcher. I don't know if you can uh, leave rankings and reviews on Stitcher or not. If you use Stitcher and there is a ranking slash review option, and you would like to do something there, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'd appreciate that, too. So uh, that's uh, that's part of it. Also, if you need to get in contact with me, you can do so. Easiest way is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Or you can drop me an email if you would like, matt.pauley at WTMJ.com. Here's what we got coming up on the program this week in our social media conversation. Have a first-time guest, a guy that I've wanted to have on the program for a while because uh, I love the staff and I love the grouping over at Brew Crew Ball. I think they just do a fantastic job. And obviously, uh, we have folks from Brew Crew Ball on uh, the podcast all the time. But one of their uh, most busy writers that you see on there all the time, you know him as JP. It is uh, Jason Pekowski, uh, and uh, he is going to join us coming up a little bit later on. He's never been on the podcast before, so a first-time podcast guest. And those are fewer and further in between now as we continue to uh, bring on a lot of people here. And uh, we are—I believe this is this is either episode eighty or eighty-one. I'll have to look. I, I think this is episode eighty-one of the podcast. So we've been doing this for. Uh, for quite some time now, about a year and a half, a little bit less than a year and a half. So we've had a whole lot of folks uh, here on the podcast. Also, speaking of Brew Crew Ball, Brad Ford's going to join us. You, you've heard him. He's he's probably the guy. I'm. A, I need to do. I need to do like a composite standings of all the guests we've had on the program and figure out who we've had the most. I'd have to do a little bit of work there. That might be an off-season project for me. Uh, But he is somebody we have on a lot. We're doing something different, though, with Brad today. I want to touch on two things with him. Thing number one... Uh, the Brewers made a bunch of moves this past week, and really they've uh, they've made a lot of moves f- from the offseason on. And it it has really impacted the farm system. In fact, some rankings have the Brewers now in the mid-20s in the farm system rankings. And this is an organization that was a top three, a top five, certainly a top ten organization in terms of their uh, farm system not that long ago. But to augment the major league roster over the course of the last year plus, they've lost a lot of talent. You know, you 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 lost that top end talent with the Christian Yelich trade, but with all these other trades, you lose a top thirty guy here, a top thirty guy there. I'm not lamenting those moves, but it is worth mentioning the fact that the farm system is not in the same position that it was previously. So I want to get Brad's take on that. And I also want to talk to him about the playoff picture involving a number of the Brewers minor league teams as, at last check, three of the Brewers minor league teams had an opportunity for the postseason. You know what? 
I just went to the Wisconsin Timber Rentalers website, and uh, I've already spoken with Brad, so we're, this thing is being kind of recorded out of order tonight just to uh, open up the curtain a bit. Unfortunately, the Wisconsin Timber Rentalers on Sunday night lost in 10 innings to the Kane County Cougars, and uh, with that, their playoff hopes came to an end. Uh, but uh, there's still two teams that have a chance for the postseason. Actually, one team's clinched in Biloxi. Another team still has an opportunity to get into the postseason, depending on what they can do on Monday. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, you might uh, you might already know where that's at. But I want to talk about the playoff positioning for a number of the Brewers affiliates as well. So we'll get into that coming up uh, with Brad Ford coming up uh, in just a while. I want to open up the program, though, by talking about the moves that were made this past week. As the Brewers go out and acquire three players. First, it was Xavier Cedeno. Then it was uh, Gio Gonzalez. And then, probably somewhat surprisingly, it was Curtis Granderson. As those three players were acquired throughout the course of the day on Friday, uh, Cedeno during the day, Gonzalez right around first pitch of their game against the Nationals, and then Granderson, that news broke right after the game ended. I really appreciate, really, really appreciate that David Stearns is going for it right now. And I think Brewers fans should as well. We can argue whether or not you think those are good moves, but what you can't argue is the fact that they're going for it. And look at the players who come off the 40-man roster to uh, to, to make room. You know, um, Ariel Hernandez is somebody who goes... Uh, off the 40-man roster. Aaron Brooks is someone who goes uh, off the 40-man the roster. So it's not a... You, I'm not trying to uh, speak bad of any of these individuals, but I think from a depth, percep- uh, depth perception or depth perspective would be the correct way to say it, uh, the Brewers replaced on the 40-man roster. They, they created more depth on the 40-man. Now, how is that going to play out over the course of the month of September? None of these guys are guaranteed to make a huge impact on the team. In fact, I think the guy who has would probably be most guaranteed to make a pretty large impact on the team would be Xavier Cedeno. Because an area that the Brewers have uh, been struggling a bit over the last few weeks has been in the bullpen. On games that Jeremy Jeffress and Josh Hader and Joaquin Soria don't pitch, they've had a hard time getting outs. And we even saw a rough day from uh, Joaquin Soria in Saturday night's game. That was a little bit rare. I think Soria still would be considered a high-leverage guy. But there's been some inconsistencies out of the bullpen. So from my perspective, Cedeno is the guy who probably makes uh, is guaranteed to have the largest impact on the team. The other two guys, though, are interesting. Gio Gonzalez, he struggled this year. He has very much struggled uh, with the with the Washington Nationals, you know, if if the guy he's been for the Nationals is the guy that is going to be uh, coming into Milwaukee, then he doesn't help you. But the idea is that he can be better than that. Here's Gonzalez's numbers so far this year: seven and eleven with a four point five seven ERA. And in the month of August, 1-7 with a 7.47 ERA. I know wins and losses are a, are a stat that doesn't really indicate how good, how well, how bad you're pitching. It's just kind of a uh, – it's a it's so dependent upon other things. But uh, from May 29th until 
right now, as we talk on Sunday night, he has one win. He has not won that many games. Now, all that being said, if he is somebody who can return to his form that he has been throughout most of his career, well, then things change a little bit. Just last year, he had a 15-9 record and a sub-3 ERA, 2.96. 2016 was a so-so year for him. 3.79 ERA in 2015, 3.57 ERA in 2014. If Derek Johnson and company can help him refine his form, uh, that's going to be a really good thing. And the other side of this is he is in a situation where those numbers from Washington can essentially be flushed away. If he is able to uh, go out and put up good numbers in the final month of the season for the Brewers, that's probably mostly what he's going to be judged on when it comes to free agency, and that can make him a little bit of money. And then the Curtis Granderson move, uh, that's somebody who is going to be a veteran presence in that locker room. You get the sense that he's probably got a big hit or two left in him, uh, but he's not, I don't think from a talent standpoint, he's really helping the roster. Uh, he, he can't hurt. You know, I'd add some depth, but more about his experience. He was traded to me for being able to bring that experience in and just that ability to come up with that big hit at some point in time. So, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see how it all plays out. And those were the moves that were made this week. And it was, you know, we're, we're probably going to skip our headlines of the week, which would be our next segment, uh, and just go right into our social media conversation because that's basically, those basically are our headlines of the week, the moves that were made over the course uh, of the week. And the the big thing I would say is that it shows that they want to get to the postseason. It shows they're willing to make moves to get to the postseason. And I think Brewers fans should appreciate that uh, that attitude. Whether or not you agree with trading a uh, Demi Ormoloy for uh, Curtis Granderson, I mean, Ormoloy, he might not make it to the big leagues, but he was somebody who there was a lot of potential there. Uh, that's that's understandable if you don't like that move. If you don't like the team giving up both Gilbert, Gilbert Lara and K.J. Harrison for a month of Gio Gonzalez while still paying all of the remaining salary for Gonzalez, like that's a very valid thing to say. I can understand why people might be a little bit upset with that because those are guys that might have played into the future of this organization. But there's no doubt that they're trying to do whatever they can do to to win. And you know what? They... They were not going to go acquire a Chris Archer. I've said this over and over. I keep saying it because I keep hearing people lament the fact that the Brewers did not get Chris Archer. The Brewers' equivalent to what the Pirates gave up for Chris Archer was Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Keston Hira. In no world should the Brewers have given that type of a return for Chris Archer. In no world should have they done that, and they didn't. And that was a bad trade for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates gave up a lot more than they got back for Chris Archer. And I disagree completely with the fact that they made that trade. So, look, that's, the, um, that's where we're at on this. Again, if you the, the players that they send away between the moves, uh, Demi Ormoloy was in the Curtis Granderson trade. Gilbert Lara, K.J. Harrison was in the um, Gio Gonzalez trade. And then Xavier Cedeno and uh, Brian Cannell and also, or excuse me, in the uh, Xavier Cedeno trade, it was left fielder Brian Cannell and Johan Dominguez. Uh, those were the players that ended up getting uh, moved in that trade to be able to uh, make it happen. So definitely some guys who... 
if they're not top 30, um, they they were previously top 30, some of those guys, and then you add that on to the fact that uh, when you went back to the Jonathan Scope move and the Mike Moustakis move, uh, you gave up uh, a Luis Ortiz previously and a Brett Phillips, uh, Jorge Lopez. I mean, this, this team, has this organization has given up a ton of minor league talent recently, and I'm not just talking about... Uh, the moves made in the offseason, specifically the Christian Yelich move. You know, while that was uh, a move that was cost you the most, it's also, I mean, Christian Yelich right now is playing at an MVP level. I, I, I think it's pretty simple to say that that move is working out, especially with the club control that the team continues to have um, on, on Christian Yelich. So, uh, again, I it seems like the organizational depth is what has um, what has kind of gotten hurt maybe by these moves. But why do you have organizational depth? You have organizational depth to be able to create a better major league roster, and that's what they did. You know, with all again, all due respect to an Aaron Brooks or a Jake Thompson, guys who are designated for assignment to clear spaces on the 40-man roster. If you've got a choice between Aaron Brooks and Jake Thompson or you got a choice between Gio Gonzalez and Curtis Granderson, most teams, everybody out there is going to take uh, Gio Gonzalez and Curtis Granderson. So there's a whole lot more depth uh, on this 40-man roster now than there was previously. All right, as I said, we're going to skip uh, headlines of the week this week because really those were the headlines of the week. And uh, let's get right into our social media conversation. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extremes Podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We're happy as we go into our social media conversation. Very happy to uh, welcome in uh, somebody else from uh, Brew Crew Ball. We like to get the Brew Crew Ball guys on here as uh, often as possible. We do uh, welcome on to the program uh, Jason Paskowski, and uh, you can read him uh, at Brew Crew Ball. Uh, he go, you're probably uh, more familiar with uh, what he goes by at Brew Crew Ball, just uh, JP. So, JP, appreciate you taking some time. How are you doing? I'm doing all right today. Um, glad to join you here. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Let's uh, let's. It's been an interesting week for the Brewers, and let's kind of go back through it a little bit. August 31st trade deadline uh, this past week, and Brewers go out and uh, acquire Gio Gonzalez, Curtis Granderson, and Xavier Cedeno. So they get a left-hander lever, they get a, a starting pitcher, and they get kind of a veteran outfield type guy. Uh, some some big names there, but guys who maybe haven't performed the way that they had previously in their career. Overall, where do you kind of uh, fall on the moves that the Brewers made this past week? Well, these have been some interesting moves. Um, First of all, I don't know if I've ever seen a trade, a waiver trade deadline this busy, getting three guys at the deadline. That's definitely a first for me to see with the Brewers. Um, in terms of the moves, I, I do like the Daniel move. I think it is a very nice addition to their bullpen. You know, having another left-handed reliever in there, it's going to help in late games. We saw that actually in the Sunday game here. Uh, they brought Daniel in late game, had an effective outing. I think he only a lot of hits. In terms of the other moves, I am not as certain yet. Uh, Granderson, he's been in a couple games. He's contributed nicely. Um, it's nice to have another bat on the bench. And I'm hoping that that'll help with some of the offensive problems they've been having. Uh, as for Gonzalez, I 
I'd like to see how they're going to use him first. That's been my big question. And it, it seems like we haven't heard a definite answer on how he's going to get used yet. And that, that's what I'm wondering. I'm just wondering how he's going to get used. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be in the bullpen? Is he going to be used kind of like how Woodruff was in the Sunday game, where he's going to piggyback off another starter, potentially? I'm just kind of curious how Gonzalez is going to get used. I would. I feel like... I think in the, his first appearance will probably come against the Cubs series, and he'll he'll probably be a relief pitcher. But I get the sense that he's going to be slotted in as a starter after that, and you know, that probably his status going forward after that depends on how he does. He's got to improve upon what he was doing with the Nationals this year, especially uh, in the month of August where he really struggled. But from my sense, I, I don't think they bring him in unless they plan on on him being a part of a, the starting rotation in the final month of the year. I would agree with that as well. I think he he would be met best in the rotation. There there is opportunity there. We've seen Guerra struggling, struggled again against the Nationals, three innings to, and you know you just you, you there's definitely opportunity there, and I do expect to see him get a start. And I, I I completely agree with you there. After after that start, we'll see how the the Brewers use it if they're gonna slot him into the rotation, go with the six-man rotation, what they're going to end up doing with him. Yeah, and Junior Guerra struggled on Sunday. We're talking on Sunday night. Uh, they still have Freddie Peralta at AAA. They were kind of forced to send him back down uh, when they needed the roster spots for some arms uh, earlier in the week, but he's going to be back at some point. Zach Davies is set to come back on Monday. So even if Junior Guerra is out of the rotation, you still have Davies and Peralta, and there's Gio Gonzalez. You could still have a six-man rotation potentially uh, without uh with uh, with uh, with with having without having Junior Guerra in there, the question is: Do you want to go six man rotation, or do you want to go to some sort of situation where you're making sure Shasin is pitching every fifth day? Maybe even Miley's in that category. Do you want to make sure he pitches every fifth day? It for, from my perspective, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they play out the starting rotation down the stretch with all the off days, all the Thursdays off in September. And JP, I, I don't I don't completely know what that's going to look like, and I don't think a lot of people know what it's going to look like from a start pitching standpoint yeah I, I agree with that we haven't got many answers from council or david stearns or anybody yet on how they're going to use the rotation i think they're still trying to figure that out themselves i i do agree i like the idea of starting chasin every fifth day he's been so solid this year you've got to you've got to start him as much as you can you've got to get as much as you can out of him miley might also be in that conversation I'd like to see what Davies does when he comes back. He did have a really good start in his last outing in single A. Let's see how he does against the Cubs on Monday and go from there. If it, I do think you've got to get your, your best starters. You've got to get them as many starts as possible. And then either rotate the other guys or skip a guy here and there if you need to. Does, uh, does Brandon Woodruff fall? Are you comfortable with him being a bullpen guy after his performance on Sunday, or is he somebody that maybe we should be talking about potentially getting a start? Woodruff's been an interesting case. I, he definitely was impressive watching him on Sunday, just coming in and stabilizing that's the game so that the Brewers could come back and get that win. I wouldn't mind seeing Woodruff get a start. I don't know if there's a, a, an opportunity for him. That's the only problem. Yeah. It, we're already talking about six six spots for the other guys. Um, I if the opportunity presents itself, definitely. Uh, I guess I'm kind of borderline. I think right now he might be better served in the bullpen as a long man, but I think there's also an opportunity there for him to get a start, especially with some of the the starts we've seen from these starters lately. 
the one of the common themes that we we hear from people, especially when it comes to maybe complaining about things, is the usage of Josh Hader and uh, Craig Council. Give him credit. I mean, he has been very clear on how they're going to use Josh Hader, why they're going to use him that way. He tried to explain again this past week. You know, his arm maybe doesn't recover the way other arms do. It seems like uh, there's a lot of fans out there that try to put Josh Hader and just say, well, you know what, this other guy can pitch four out of five days. Why can't Josh Hader do it? Uh, where do you where do you stand on this? Are, are you with Council and understand their usage of Josh Hader? Or are you more on the other side of things where you think he should actually be used more than he's being used? I, I just down with Council here a bit. I think that we've seen so much with Josh Hader. We've seen him pitch so well. And with this, with the stretch coming down, you definitely want to get him as much as possible. But we also have to remember that Josh Hader is here for the future. We want to see him around for five, six more years, maybe even more if we can. And so we got to—it's it's a fine line to walk. You got to get him in enough so that making sure that we're taking maximizing every game. But at the same time, you you can't you can't ruin his arm or hurt him this year. And Council does, does make good points. This is Hater's. This is Hater converting to the bullpen. He's been a starter for most of his time in the minors, so he, there is some adjustment to that. And I do agree with limiting him a bit. Now I think he might be limiting him a little too much. I'd like to see Hater in a little more often, but I don't disagree with Council protecting Hater a bit. Do you ever? I chuckle, and you know, I deal with people on a on on an everyday basis with what I do uh, on the radio. But I chuckle because I feel like it's the same people who are mad that Josh Hader does not pitch enough, who are mad that starters are not allowed to go deeper into the game, and it's going to destroy the bullpen. It seems like yeah, either you should be worried about the how much how many innings that the bullpen are being thrown that maybe they run out of gas. Maybe they have run out of gas here recently. Maybe that's part of it. Or you're somebody who uh, thinks that they can just go. I, I, I chuckle because it feels like those things should be from different people, yet the same people are saying that. Do you kind of see where I'm going with this? Uh, do, do you yeah. feel the same way? Yeah, I, I definitely see it. And there is definitely a vocal minority out there when things are going things are going wrong. There, there are people out there. I, I think it's a small group, but there are definitely people out there who will – no matter what goes wrong, they're going to be angry about it, whether it's the with the starters not pitching long enough or the, the bullpen not pitching enough. There's always going to be people out there who aren't happy. I, I, but I've also seen you know a lot of – a lot of fans. I've, I run polls on the site occasionally, and I've seen that a lot of fans out there are still happy with how Council's been running this team, how David Stern's been running this team. You know, maybe some minor criticisms. You know, maybe they don't understand a move here and there. But for the most part, I feel like the fans are still in support of Council and David Stern's. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I, I think they both of them have done a heck of a job and, and continue to do a heck of a job. This team uh, has won four straight. We're talking on Sunday night. The team has won four straight series as we talk. I've always been along the lines of if they can just go win series, that's going to be enough for them to uh, get into the postseason. I don't know if this team is built to go on some sort of long run where they're winning eight out of nine, nine out of 11, something like that, but if they can keep winning two out of three consistently, they probably won't win every single series the rest of the year, but if they can win two out of three moving forward, uh, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Have you been happy with the way the team has been playing recently? Absolutely. As you said, they've won the last four series. They've won nine out of their last 13 games. 
you'd love to see them, you know, sweep here and there, sweep the Reds or the Pirates or even the Nationals, some of these teams that are under 500. But winning series is was what it's about. At the end of the year, you're going to win. I mean, for a playoff team, you're, you want to win around 90 games. That means you're going to be winning about about 60% of your game, a little bit under that, actually. But as long as you're winning series, that's the big thing. Now, of course, the next series you've got coming up here is that Cubs series, and that is a bit bigger, too. You, you would like to come out of that winning two, at least two of three to keep you in the contention for that division spot. Ideally, you'd love to stay in contention for that because if you can avoid the wild card game, that'd be great. But as long as you're winning series, that's good because it's likely going to get you into the playoffs, playoffs, especially where you are at this point. Uh, I believe two games up in the wild card. Uh, you're a, game ahead, a half game ahead of St. Louis as of Sunday night. And you're in good position. As long as you keep winning series, it's going to be good. The, the Chicago series is an interesting one. Even the pitching matchup on day one, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this after that series has already been played, or at least the Monday game has been played, where Zach Davies is going to face off uh, against Cole Hamels. But it, it's a series where you're right. I mean, if they lose two out of three to the Cubs, if they get swept by the Cubs, that probably knocks them out of uh, you know legit contention to win the division. But in the same sense, and in no way, shape, or form am I saying they are going to get swept by the Cubs or they it's okay if they get swept by the Cubs. But if, if that were to happen, it's not like they're out of playoff contention as well. They could easily still be in a playoff spot even if that were to happen. So it's kind of an, it's an odd series because it means so much for the division. It doesn't mean, but it doesn't mean as much for just playoffs overall if that makes sense yeah absolutely uh, right now you're, you're chasing the cardinals the dodgers the diamondbacks the rockies i mean one of those three te- those latter teams is going to win the nls so we're only only have to worry about two of those but those are the teams that you're most concerned about right now and unfortunately with the brewers that the only team they can really make up any ground against would be the cardinals well, when I say make up ground, just like in that case, just stay ahead of them. And that's the only one you can have some control over. But again, it comes back to winning series. As long as you're winning series, you're likely at least going to stay on pace with the rest of those teams. Uh, what's, uh, what, what are your expectations for the series? I, do, do, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm asking you so much to ask, uh, to, to make a prediction, but is this going to be a, a well-played, you know, very highly competitive? Seems like most of the times Brewers and Cubs play against each other. These have been, uh, fairly close games. What, what are your expectations for these next three games between the Brewers and the Cubs? I definitely think we're going to see some pretty competitive, competitive baseball here. We're going to potentially see some higher tempers, which is kind of normal when you get into some of these divisional rivalries, especially as we're going into September with, you know, which is so much on the line. There's going to be a lot of passion on that field. I am hoping that we can see those Bruce, those Bruce take two of three. I, I mean, a sweep is probably not going to happen. I'd love to see it happen. But, you know, again, just come to winning series. Take two or three from the Cubs. Even if you don't, just come back. I believe next to, after the Cubs is the Giants. Come back win another series there you know do what you can against the cubs if you know if things don't go well then you just still focus on that wild card and get there if you can uh, really appreciate you taking some time with us before we let you go uh man you are very busy over at brew crew ball it seems like every day uh more stuff is coming out and i see uh your byline again we are talking with uh jason paskowski or better known as uh, jp over at uh, brew crew ball uh take me through a little bit of uh what you've got coming up uh at uh, at brew crew ball well um 
I usually do handle like the uh, some of the our, our semi daily link reports where I just uh, just compile some links from around the internet. I keep up to date on recent scores and the uh, standings. Just uh, so that I got those daily reports coming up. Uh, I usually try to run a poll once a week. Uh, usually try to do it on Thursdays. Uh, sometimes it ends up being another day like this week. I ran it Saturday just because of the trade deadline. Um, I also will be doing some recaps. And I'll probably mix some other posts here and there uh, with uh, either news coming out maybe once in a while just uh, talking about something going on with the team. But, uh, yeah, my role has more been focusing on the news side. But I definitely love to just watch and kind of, you know, just keep an eye on what this team is. You know, and I I just like to help out in any way I can with the site and just make sure, even if it's just like the day-to-day stuff. I just like to make sure it all keeps going, so people have stuff to read and just to discuss the Brewers on. We have a lot of good comment sections where people are always talking, and that's always a good thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brew Crew Ball is a great website, and we try to get as many of you guys on the program uh, as possible on an every week basis. JP, great to have you on the podcast for the first time. I hope to do it again with you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. Brewers x Range, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile as we do continue on. It is time for a down on the farm segment. And we're actually doing something kind of different, but we're doing something kind of different with somebody that we have on all the time probably our most frequent guest on the program now. Maybe I should at some point go back and look and see how many times he has appeared from a Brew Crew Ball. We're going all Brew Crew Ball this week. It is uh, Brad Ford. Hey, Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I am doing all right. And why I wanted to get you on today, I'll just tell folks, we're, we're talking about two things specifically. One, the impact on the Brewers farm system that all the trades that they have made this year has had, and then we'll also get a little bit into uh, the postseason coming up in just a bit as well. But let's start. Uh, I don't. You know, obviously, we've talked about the fact that when they went and got Christian Yelich in the offseason, that cost some major prospects, including the overall number one prospect in the organization uh, in, in Lewis Brinson. But more recently, when you look at what this team has uh, done, acquiring Mike Bustakis, acquiring Jonathan Scope, acquiring uh, Joaquin Soria, and then most uh, recently going out and getting Gio Gonzalez and also Curtis Granderson um, and, and Xavier Cedeno. While, while a lot of these moves are not involving top-tier prospects, they're involving guys who are on the lower end of the top 30 or guys who are formerly top 30 prospects. And it's uh, I think it maybe gets lost in it. I'm not lamenting the trades. I'm fine with the trades, but I do think it needs to be recognized, the fact that they are certainly impacting this farm system. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, KJ Harrison is a top five her a top five round uh, draft pick from just a couple of years or for a two drafts ago, um, who had big potential. He ends up going along with Gilbert Lara, one of the first major organizational signees in international free agency history for Milwaukee. Had a three million dollar bonus. Uh, he was finally starting to come on. Uh, so those are two guys in one trade for Gio Gonzalez, who you get for 30 days unless you make the postseason, who already take a pretty big chunk out of the system. Especially, uh, I mean, what really hurt this year was the 
uh, lower end of the system. Uh, so during this waiver trade deadline, it was a lot of lower end players, uh, or lower end side of the players like Brian Connell and Johan Dominguez, who went for Xavier Cedeno. Two guys we haven't heard a lot about. Um, go for a reliever who, you know, has a year of control. Um, but they're players who, you know, still had a ceiling. You're still figuring out what their potential is. You're still figuring out what their true value is. Um, you know, Demi or Malloy uh, goes for Curtis Granderson. You get 30 days of Curtis Granderson, um, who's really only going to play a pinch role for you. And... Demi or Malloy has a huge ceiling, in my opinion. The hard thing for him is realizing that ceiling because he is such a, a high-risk prospect. He has a lot of holes in his playing game, but because he didn't start baseball till late, came out through high school, he's one of those guys you expect to be a slow developer, made some good adjustments this year, made some good, comes into the, her, you know, gains in his game, and his power ceiling was huge, but he goes for 30 days of a guy who probably is going to amass maybe 40 at bats. If everything goes as planned. Um, so I thought that was a pretty rough loss. And then, yeah, it just, those are all guys who go before double a, and then you look at the trades that they made beforehand and you're looking at upper end players, so, you know, your double a guys like Cody Maderos, um, your upper level guys like Luis Ortiz, some of those higher end pitchers. And now the farm system kind of looks like you're picking at scraps. Yeah, and even uh, uh, was Brett Phillips still technically a top 30 guy? Or had he, had he graduated? He was. Okay, he was. so there's an um, Jorge Lopez. Was, was he still in the top 30 or had he graduated? Uh, he was no longer in the top 30, okay. but I think it was more performance based. Okay, so I mean, that's. That's a lot of talent walking out the door. Now, I don't know where you stand on it. I think you are a little negative on some of these things. I, I'm of, I've been around minor league baseball long enough to, I think you know that I appreciate the, the role of farm systems, and I believe in smaller markets. You need to use your farm system to win at a, at a consistently long level, and I am going to be, I'm interested to see what this is going to look like moving forward for the Brewers because it did seem like they were so locked in on making sure that they were going to continue to have waves of high-level prospects come through, and right now the system is a bit down. But all that being said, I also appreciate the fact that they want to win this year. They want to get to the postseason this year. And if you just look at the most recent uh, moves that were made, uh, and I'm not, I'm not even really going back to – the Moustakis and the Scope deals, but if you look at just what was happened here at the end of August, the guys they gave away, while some of these guys did have you know pretty high ceilings, they probably also were not individuals who were going to be making an impact on the big league roster within the next couple years. So I guess I say all that to ask you more positive, more negative on uh, what the Brewers have done from a trading standpoint uh, really since uh, mid-July on. Um, I'm actually pretty happy with it. Um, I will say probably the two I like the least are Scope and Curtis Granderson. And I think a lot of people are on that page with me. Um, I like Scope as a player. I like him as a theoretical acquisition. However, he just didn't make sense once you got Mustakis and you moved Shaw over to second base. And it's one of those things where obviously they didn't trust 
um, RC to handle that load during the playoff run. Obviously, they wanted to get a little bit more offensive kick, but it did kind of feel like an unnecessary move and emptying the farm system just to empty it. Um, so overall, I'm with you on the idea that, you know, sometimes you just have to make these guys expendable in order to actually, you know, get a good enough team to be a competitor. Would you agree that the trade for Gio Gonzalez, uh, the Gilbert Lara, KJ Harrison, of the moves that have been made more recently, that that was probably the highest price to give away? I mean, here's it, it seems like a lot of those trades for guys that were rentals were cash considerations, a single low-level prospect, player to be named later, whatever it is. Uh, those are a couple guys who I think a lot of people who follow the system and, and know about the prospects, I don't know if they're name prospects, but if they're, they're at least borderline name prospects. I, I'm i glad to see the team go get Gio Gonzalez. I feel like maybe he, uh, it's kind of a no-lose situation. If he doesn't help out the team, well, they're out $2 million for the year, but they're not committed to him long-term. And if he can turn it around, he can have just a profound impact on the final month of the season. But I'm, when I make that statement, I'm not putting in consideration what they gave up. I, I like that they got Gonzalez, but I was a little bit surprised when I heard that they gave up both Gilbert Lara and K.J. Harrison. It almost felt like that was a situation where maybe you would give up one of those guys for Gonzalez. Yeah, I think a lot of people were looking at you know, what other people were paying and then also the demand. Um, if they were going to go for her, if Gio was going to go for only that, it seemed like he would get moved substantially earlier in the process, like a July trade. Um, overall, I think it was more them evaluating where they feel other guys at are at, at the same positions. Like I feel they like Weston Wilson who can play first and third. I feel they like Lucas Ersig, who is a third baseman. They might even like Jake Gatewood more than they like KJ Harrison. Um, Gilbert Lara was also going to be a third baseman, maybe a first baseman. Uh, so KJ Harrison is first and catcher. You have depth at catcher currently in the organization, Jacob Nottingham and Mario Feliciano. Um, you Peyton Henry. So you have that depth. So he was in terms of the positions he played expendable you also have a few guys who are controllable at the third base position at the major league level um, at the first base position you have guys who are controllable so you really won't need those impact bats for a while and they seem to be guys who are going to stick around for some time when you look at and then also there are guys who probably will need substantial time in the minor leagues so i think when they were looking at it they said yes this is a high price but honestly, it doesn't hurt our team in the long run. So I think it was more than like balancing like the actual detriment that it caused long term. And I think that's how David Stearns measures most his moves. Is does do we have the depth to really take this? Do we have the player position to take this? And also, are these guys who are going to make a difference in the coming years? Do you and I think he obviously thought not. Do you think that in the offseason, the team maybe, like, I, 
I think we can all agree that there's guys on the major league roster who you can trade away, but whose value isn't, you know, they could trade away an Eric Thames, and there's probably a market out there for Eric Thames because he can hit home runs and he's relatively cheap, but it's not like you're going to bring in a top 10 prospect for, for Eric Thames, but do you think maybe a Thames-like player, somebody like that, uh, who knows, maybe a, maybe a starting pitcher, I, I don't know, do you, do, you, do you feel like they maybe try to trade away off of their big league roster this offseason to try to augment back that farm system again going into next season? Um, I think if they trade anyone on the big league roster, it'll be to try to get pieces that can continue to help this team. They've amassed a, a group who can really stay together for a few years now. Um, they do have, despite the trades, more talent on the way. I think that if they're going to make trades, they're going to make trades to try to make the team better. So I think if you're seeing players traded, it might be for if you're looking at starting pitchers, you might see a Freddie Peralta go. You might see even a Bryce Terang when the time comes. Um, and he's available in the offseason, in the winter trade deadline. I really don't think we're going to see a lot of trades to get minor league players back. I think that'll happen as veterans start to reach the end of their contracts and they want to reaccrue their farm system. I don't think they're going to be the team or want to be the team who loses players for nothing. But you also don't want to be in the exact same situation that Kansas City's been in the last uh, year or so where, I mean, Kansas City's a bad team this year. And yeah, I, I think every Royals fan would gladly accept what they're going through right now, knowing they got to back-to-back World Series and they won one. I guess if I went to any Brewers fan out there and said, hey, the Brewers are going to get to two straight World Series, they're going to win one of them, but then they're going to lose 100 games for, for a couple years until they get things back going, I would guess most Brewer fans would actually accept that because it includes a, a world championship in there, but the the idea is not to have to go through a uh, a cycle where you're losing that many games. So what what do the Brewers do? And it's funny to be talking about this right now when they're right in the middle of a playoff push for this year. And there's so much even people who listen to me know my focus has been on this year. But that's why we're kind of talking outside the box right now. What is the the Brewers' approach to make sure that they don't have a Kansas City type situation? <sighs> I mean, I think it's all internal analysis, like uh, constantly evaluating your team and making exactly what are the decisions based on what I was talking about earlier is trading the player that you're giving up something that will detriment the team. Do you have the depth to absorb that play? Do you believe that other far- players in the farm system have a better chance of surpassing that? It's a hard question to answer, and one you wonder how they're evaluating it. Um, but I think they need to go, if they want, if they have aspirations to championships, there's no one to sign coming up. There's no one who is going to come in and make that difference that they can just get on the offseason market. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I think they're going to make guys expendable and try to get difference makers who can be controllable for a few seasons. And then, again, try to uh, – I think the Royals' problem was they traded too late. Yeah. I think David Stearns can be a, a analytical enough to not trade too late. No, you're right. And I really like Dayton Moore as a general manager, but Dayton Moore is not a new school kind of guy. No, not at all. Yeah. 
Um, so. so I think the analysis that you're getting from David Stearns and like the way he's taking into things, I feel like he's going to be very in this Packers state or like philosophy where you trade guys or get rid of guys too early instead of too late. Don't you know there's a rule on this podcast that we don't talk about the Packers? I, I It is just the only analogy I could think of <laughs> that would touch everyone or that had a good chance of hitting everyone. But I'm not talking Packers. I'm just talking philosophy. And so I, I didn't mention any players. Okay, and I'm jo- I'm totally joking. I know. I'm, I'm I know, totally I know. joking. I'm not trying to – there's going to be people out there, oh, Paulie doesn't want to talk about the Packers. No, I'm just <laughs> – there's yes. a, it gets frustrating at some time. I'm a baseball first guy. Everybody knows that I'm a, I have committed my sports broadcasting career to baseball. So one of the more frustrating things, and this does, if you're listening to this podcast, this probably doesn't apply to you, but there are people out there. I'll tell you a true story right here. So we were, um, the, on Saturday, the, the that was the two hour rain delay, right? Yeah. Saturday. So. Yeah. I'm hosting on WTMJ Saturday, and we're doing extra. We're doing uh, rain delay programming. We're in the rain delay. I when I'm in the studio during rain delays, I'm the guy hosting. So I'm just talking Brewers. Somebody called in during a Brewers rain delay. They didn't get on the air. They talked to my producer. Somebody called in and asked why I wasn't talking about the Packers. <laughs> We're in the middle of a Brewers rain delay. It's our rain delay coverage, and I got a guy calling in to the producer's booth asking why we're not talking about Packers. I that, wish I could be surprised. Like, I wish that shocked me in even the slightest. It shouldn't shock you. So, All right, before we let you go, uh, real quick. Uh, so that, we're, we record this on Sunday night. We probably should have recorded this like an hour later, right now as we speak, and this is going to not be uh, this is going to be completely not true once uh, once people are listening to this. Uh, but the Sky Sox playing a makeshift doubleheader, resumption of a suspended game, and then a regularly scheduled game. They lost the resumption, and uh, right now this is horrible podcasting. Right now at eight fifty p.m. on Sunday night, Oklahoma City is leading Colorado Springs eight five. So we could. We could record like two different things based off if Colorado Springs wins or loses, and I could try to fix it in post. But instead, we'll just be uh, creative here. If Oklahoma City goes on to win this game, uh, it's going to be a winner get to the postseason game coming up on Monday. If Colorado Springs can come back and defeat Oklahoma City, they will clinch a playoff berth. And this is maybe this doesn't care, this doesn't matter to a lot of people, but I'm kind of. This is really interesting for me, someone who spent six years working in Colorado Springs. This is the end of AAA baseball in Colorado Springs. So if Colorado Springs ends up losing this game, Brad, tonight, uh, that they're trailing by three right now in the sixth inning, they're going to play this game on Monday with, if they win, they go to the postseason. If they lose, AAA baseball in Colorado Springs is over. That's a, that, that, that's a, that's a weird thing for that community. Yeah. I mean, how much, how awesome would it be to like send them off with a championship run and then know that, however, then you have to deal with the pain of knowing that that's it. You're done. Yeah. I hope it happens. I would rather they have a really cool story than have disappointment and get to enjoy something like that. Um, Something like that championship run. I mean, they had the playoff run last year. I hope they win and go far. Although it's a little harder because the Brewers just kind of tapped into a ton of their players. 
the other side of that, even in Nate Orff, you know, he got taken off the forty man, yeah. so he's got to go through the uh, the designated process. He's going to end up back probably on that roster, but by the time he goes through the process, I would he, the season might be over. So you know, it it's really look. That's part of the game. That's a, the the AAA team is there to provide for the major league team, and the major league team yes. is in a pennant race yes. right now. In no way, shape, or form, are saying, "Oh man, they should have left Brandon Woodruff there so he could have pitched against <laughs> Oklahoma City." You know, saying that a few hours after he throws four shots out innings to help the Brewers take a series from the Nationals. I'm not saying that, but it does stink for the AAA team to lose all that talent. Yes. Um, and it makes it more difficult when you're trying to like leave that legacy behind. But it's, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you got to deal with it. The fans know how it works. Uh, however, I'm hoping for the best. I hope this team just comes together, scraps it out, and makes a legendary playoff run and ends it on such a huge note um, and then that can keep people excited for the next era of Colorado Springs baseball when the team transitions into they're going rookie ball next year right yep and it could very easily still be a Brewers affiliate the Helen team is moving in I, there's not a player development contract signed yet for that Helen team so no guarantee but pretty good chance that uh, that team does stay and the the Elmore family who owns the Sky Sox have a pretty good relationship with the Brewers so I would I would predict that the Brewers will still be in Colorado Springs next year but as a short season squad yeah so uh Biloxi into the postseason and last I saw they had a chance to win both the first and second half I learned last week when we had um when we had Garrett on Garrett Green their broadcaster I didn't realize that at double a in that league and suddenly they do a deal where if you win the first and second half you get four of the five postseason games at your place that's I, I didn't realize they did that that's, really yeah so if, huh. they, if they win the first and second half, the it's a five-game series, only game three would be on the road. Wow. I, li- this is, I like that. I like the reward for winning both halves. Yeah. No, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so. Um, and, I mean, the <laughs> Biloxi plays really well at their home stadium. Um, and they, despite the talent they lost due to the trades through mainly in July, they've still been competing at a high level and they got Zach Brown back recently. Who's been the ace of that staff. Um, I think if any Brewers team has a chance to win a championship this year, it's them. We're talking on Sunday night as we sit right now, they have a one game lead over Pensacola, uh, in the second half division, I don't know what their tiebreaker is against Pensacola. They may have already wrapped up the second half title. For all I know, I don't know. Uh, I got maybe I should try to figure that out before I start these interviews with you. Uh, but it looks very likely that they will get to post four of the five games. Yeah. Well, that will be awesome because yeah, Biloxi is a town that really appreciates its baseball team, and they can, I mean, they can just power them to victory i think just like with how passionate that fan base is not that they're like i mean a lot of minor league fan bases are passionate but there's something really special about biloxi's like just drive for their baseball town i think a lot of it has to do with it being a newer team newer stadium and a team that's been winning basically since they walked through the door um yeah i think they're going to just dominate the southern league it does appear that they are going to have to win on Monday to or either win on Monday or have a loss from what I say. Pensacola, is that what I said? Yeah, Pensacola. So either 
uh, a Biloxi win on Monday or a Pensacola loss on Monday gets them the second half title. So evidently uh, the tiebreaker goes to Pensacola, but still good stuff there. Uh, Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, if they can win out as well, they get to the postseason. And uh, just uh, we've talked about it before. I love that team. That team has been really intriguing to me, and uh, I'm excited that they're going to uh, possibly make it to the postseason. That might be uh, the team that I would be most excited about just seeing them. Not not that they're going to go on a long run in the postseason, but just to see that team get to play some postseason baseball. The trouble for them is their second-half star has been injured. Uh, Tristan Lutz got hit by a pitch a few days ago and hasn't been in a game since. Um, so that'll make it even more difficult with them, especially with the star power that's in the league, in the Midwest League. That's a lot to deal with for any organization uh, or for any team to like try to overcome. Their pitching isn't necessarily as good as a lot of the other teams. Uh, Aaron Ashby has been dominating there since he came up from Helena. But it's, yeah, without Tristan Lutz and now KJ Harrison and Gilbert Lara, who were also great offensive contributors, um, I'm not sure how far they can go. All right, this is another Sky Sox situation because it's uh, it's now 8.57. I've already kept you longer than I was gonna, told you I was going <laughs> to keep you. But uh, they are... They're playing right now. Generally, they don't play Sunday night games, but they're playing right now. They're 1-1 with Kane County in the seventh. So if they can find a way to win that game, then they would uh, need to win coming up on Monday, and uh, they'll have uh, Dylan File on the mound on Monday. So good stuff all around, and we're obviously hoping to see the Timber right. get to the postseason. And Dylan File's been very good for that team. He was an all-star earlier in the year. Um, kind of rough second half, but he's still been able to throw a couple dominant starts here and there um so hopefully he can come out with his best stuff and help power them to it i saw that uh, feliciano had hit the home run but it's of course it has to stay stagnant ever since yeah absolutely so we'll see how that goes so uh, all right hey brad great stuff we'll, we'll talk to you again here in a few weeks because uh, hopefully as long as you are willing to do it and i assume you Always. are uh, we'll do the full minor league uh, recap like we did last year where we go back uh, really through all the teams and look at the highs and lows. And that's uh, that takes a little bit of time. That's generally a two- or three-part interview that we run on the podcast. So uh, appreciate you taking some time, a little bit of a different type of conversation today, but certainly this was fun. Hey, I always like to mix it up. Thanks for having me on. Brad Ford joining us on the program and just some uh, some post-op on that conversation to get you a little bit more updated on uh, what took place between my conversation with Brad and uh, when I'm recording right now. We're a couple hours after uh, the initial conversation. The Wisconsin Timber Rattlers did end up losing to Kane County on Sunday night. So from what I understand, that knocks them out of playoff contention. That's a bummer, too. That's a big bummer. I was excited for the Timber Rattlers potentially getting in the postseason and then the Sky Sox they ended up losing uh, as well in both of their games against Oklahoma City on Sunday and uh, they're going to play a doubleheader against the Oklahoma City Dodgers on Monday and the Sky Sox have to win just one of those two games to be able to clinch a spot into the playoffs so it's going to be uh, it's going to be exciting to see what happens and the uh, that's the final day of the regular season and as I was just mentioning with Brad a little bit ago if uh, the Sky Sox were to get swept in that series in that doubleheader on Sunday or Monday, uh, their their existence as a Triple A team would come to an end, 
And again, I'm somebody who spent six years in Colorado Springs working for uh, the team that's kind of the connection that ended up uh, getting me to Milwaukee. So I'm very fond of that area, and I'm, I'm bummed to see it losing AAA baseball. I understand why it's losing AAA baseball. I hope that AAA baseball returns to that community at some point in time, maybe when Major League Baseball expands at some point. Uh, but uh, that would be... That would be a stinky way for it to end on Monday. So by the time you're listening to it, we might already know. I, I they they got to win one of those two games and get into the postseason. That's got to happen. I hope I'm not uh, jinxing anything by saying that. All right, here is what is coming up for the Brewers this week. A big three-game series, huge three-game series against the Cubs beginning on Monday afternoon, continuing on Tuesday and Wednesday. The Brewers are already in a tough spot in terms of maybe catching the Cubs for the division. Uh, if they really want to put themselves in a legit position to do that, uh, it would help them out if they could find a way to uh, make up some ground against the Cubs over the course of the series. I mean, even if they take two out of three, and that's great if they take two out of three. I'm not, uh, I'm not poo-pooing the idea of taking two out of three, but you take two out of three, you gain one game. That's not a that's not a huge difference, but also it's not an insurmountable uh, lead. As we are talking on Sunday night in the National League Central, the Cubs lead the Brewers by five games. There's a month left. It's not easy, but it's also not impossible. Also, as we are speaking on Sunday night, uh, the Brewers are currently in the top wild card position as uh, they have a half-game lead on the St. Louis Cardinals. And uh, they're out in front of the Colorado Rockies, who are in the uh, third spot, so the first spot out of playoffs positioning. Uh, they're up on the Rockies by a couple games. So the Brewers are in good shape still as they continue to uh, march towards the end of the month. All right, here's what's uh, coming up. I mentioned the three-game series against the Cubs. The Brewers are going to be at home all week long. So it's an afternoon game on Monday, the night games on Tuesday and Wednesday. The Brewers will then take Thursday off, and they then welcome in the San Francisco Giants for a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. That is the final series this year against a non-divisional National League team. They'll play an interleague series against Detroit later on this year. Actually, that's the final series of the weekend. But after this series against San Francisco, every other series that they have, except for that final weekend against Detroit, is going to be against teams from the NL Central. After their home against San Francisco next week, they'll play three games at the Cubs, and they'll play three games at home against Pittsburgh. The next week after that, they play Cincinnati and Pittsburgh again. Then uh, September 24th, 25th, 26th, they go to St. Louis for what's just going to be an absolutely huge series, you would think. And not trying to look too far ahead, but uh, we're at the point of the year now, into the final month of the season, that you can really start to look at all the series remaining. And I, rem I remain steadfast in my belief that the Brewers can continue to take two out of three consistently. I'm not saying they're going to take two out of three from in every single series the rest of the way. But if they take two out of three in most of these series down the stretch, the vast majority, maybe all but one or two, and maybe you got a sweep uh, thrown in there as well, they're going to be in perfectly good shape in terms of making it into the postseason. All right, again, I want to say thank you to my guests that we had on uh, this week. Had a uh, first-time guest from uh, Brew Crew Ball, uh, Jason Pekowski. And uh, we also had Brad Ford, who is anything but a first-time guest. He is a regular contributor here at Brewers Extra the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobiles. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of the podcast. 
Uh, this has been Brewers Extra Innings Podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.